Hi, and welcome to Be More Now. My name is Blake Moore, and tonight, once again, I'm interviewing Mendocino County artist Lauren Sennett. In a blend of painting, process, and artistic discovery, we're going to be discussing Lauren's bright life and colorful contributions to the county's urban landscape, including her most recent mural edition, her From Finland to Fort Bragg mural project in Fort Bragg. But first, for a little added inspiration, is the bare naked ladies doing drawing. Drawing was released in 2016. It comes from the Bare Naked Ladies album, Red Rocks Live. The album artwork and just the creativity of their work is definitely something that fits with my next guest, Lauren Sinnott. And I know many of us in the county are familiar with her and her work because she did the Yukai History Mural. I'd like to share some biographical background on Lauren Sinnott before I bring up that conversation resident of the southern Mendocino coast since 1998. Lauren Sinnott is a working artist in an old world manner. She paints pictures that are full of pattern and decoration, but also tells stories, often with portraits. She says she makes things that regular people need, like businesses, signs, logos, and even a high school mascot on the basketball court floor. She learned to sew from her mom and grandmother, which she says is always useful not just to make her own clothes and create the velvet vulva line of purses, but also to hem pants and take prom dresses in. She grew up in Wisconsin's Dairyland in a creative beatnik home. Her mom was an artist and illustrator, and she copied her from before she was two. An exchange year abroad in Belgium shaped her. There's really good coffee in the world, she says, and houses that are 400 years old. At Rice University in Houston, she got the training necessary to shape talent in painting, but also in art history. Her master's degree focused on the Renaissance and exposed her to art that was full of meaning, held symbols, had inscriptions, and told stories that people with a shared culture understood. That's what she aims for now, using her sons and the people around her to populate the painted stage. Her newest history mural, From Finland to Fort Bragg, illustrates the rich heritage of the many Finnish immigrants to this coastal Northern California town. Here's the conversation we had earlier this week. Lauren Sinnott, it is so nice to have you with me once again on, on Be More Now. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for the invite. It's, I always say that art needs an audience, and so it's always wonderful to get on our beloved community radio and talk about it so people can know what's going on and know where they can go see it. Right. Well, you just finished another big project, right? I did. It, luckily, it didn't take four years. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have fires and a pandemic. You had a relatively quiet time painting this one, right? It was. Yeah, and it it's quite a bit smaller. I mean, in like normal terms, people wouldn't call it small, but compared to the big one in Yukai, it's smaller. So it was um, actually the uh, dentist, Alan Limbird, who practices and lives up on the north coast. He practices in Fort Bragg. He had seen the big mural in Ukiah, and he said, oh, my gosh, you know, he's an art patron. He's one of the people who takes part in the, the Alleyways Arts Project up in Fort Bragg. Uh-huh. And he has several buildings, so he has not only um, allowed his buildings to be painted on, but then he's put up some of the, the money, the sponsorship for it for a couple of projects at least, mine and the one that it's right next to. So he saw the mural in Ukiah, and he said, I want you to do the one, in my next one in Fort Bragg. And it's right downtown, It's and, and I don't want to go on and on. You might want to ask specifics, but it turned out to be so cool because it's right next to one by Bo Parker, which is, I think, sort of famous because it's really uh, visually impactful. It's very stylized. It's called Matsya and the Great Deluge. And it's right on, basically on, the sidewall of a building on North Franklin, 300 block block of North Franklin. And so mine was going to be right next to his, and it is. And it was just 
neat because I really love his, but also I got to use my different but also highly stylized and decorative style right next to his, and I worked uh, intentionally on the right side of it, right next to him, to, to blend it in and to harmonize, you know, like to sort of make some of his come over into mine. It's sort of cool that way. Kind of like the Brickell District of Miami, if you've ever been there, where there's just blocks and blocks of murals, and they're all oh, kind of cool. one going to the other. Oh, that's yeah. neat. I haven't been there. I should I should. Oh, you would up. love that. Yeah, that's a really amazing scene. It's kind of like the, you know, the alleyway, Presida Eyes, where they have a couple of the alleys in the Mission District of San Francisco, really cool alleyways where you can just get lost, and it's one after another after another. So, oh you know, gosh. I've always been a big proponent of outdoor art, you know, art that's forever. And for the most part, that a lot of the, the especially in Miami, they weren't tagged. So there's a respect, street mm-hmm. artist respect that happens. I think that's true. I don't want to, you know, push my luck, but I have felt that also. Mm-hmm. And like with a big mural in Ukiah, it's coded, but, you know, they're a lot of harm could be done, and I think the graffiti artists have chosen not to do that. And yeah. Give them There's respect, of other and I'm really grateful. So when did you finish your mural in Fort Bragg? It was finished on Halloween. I, oh, goodness. It literally, I finished, I went back after Halloween to do the coding, but I finished on Halloween. I was, you know, I thought I was done the night before, but I had not. I finished sort of in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) On Halloween? How perfect is that? Sort of in the dark the night before, but then on Halloween I managed to finish in the afternoon and rush back home and get here in time to uh, give apples from Oz out to half of the (laughs) trick-or-treaters. So it was good. It was perfect to finish on Halloween. And did you wear a costume while you were painting your last day of Halloween on Halloween? <laughs> my costume is my weird clothes. Like, <laughs> You're always in costume, yes. Yeah, and in this one, this was later, you know, I had thought maybe I could do it early in the summer, but there were a lot of things that, that came up, so I ended up painting in mostly, yes, I think I started in August, it's September, October, and, and um, it had gotten chilly and so I was wearing my Canadian Sorel you know snow boots and mm-hmm. big socks and you know all the stuff to stay warm it there were some days when it was really cold because it's foggy up there it's yeah. not like Ukiah at least you'd be cold but you'd be in the sun <clears throat> there was some do you really find cold. that the fog can it interfere with your dry time of the paint dripping or any of that kind of thing that you had to deal with when because when it starts getting a, to be like that a, a little, like one day it actually turned into fog rain, and so I just couldn't paint. And in general, it interferes a little bit, <clears throat> but you just have to. Um, I use house paint, so it's mm-hmm. very it's designed to dry, and so you yeah. just have to be careful. Don't don't bump into it. Don't like spill your coffee. <laughs> just wait a little bit longer. But you're right; it does affect it. I paint murals on my walls and and outside, and I've had really pushing it to the end of the day and then come out in the morning and, you know, that blue Buddha face has a drip going all the way down to the grass, you know. <laughs> yes. And, you, you know, know like, so I think I, I have done that before because I always push it too. But maybe I have in my later years learned. I don't know. Yes. The drip thing hasn't happened in recent years, but I know exactly what you mean. You wake up the next morning and you're like, oh, no. What yeah, did I do? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so with this mural, it's on Franklin Street. You said the 300 block. That's between what and what? Yeah, I will tell you. It's between Redwood and Laurel. And okay. And it's on the west side. So if you're on the 300 block of North Franklin, you're right in the middle. You're standing in front of Racine's, you know, Arts and okay. Supply Store. Mm-hmm. And look west, and there's a little a mini alleyway, like a side alley going to the main alley that's through this big block that has, like, um, Headlands Cafe on it and that wonderful Italian restaurant on the mm-hmm. north side. But anyway, mm-hmm. you're on Franklin Street. Look west from Racine's and walk down that little bitty alleyway, and you'll see Bo's wonderful mural first on your right, and then mine is right next to it on your right. Are there any um, 
street photos of them? Like, do you have any pictures that I could link to or something? I mean, oh, I yeah. obviously, not everyone is listening lives in Fort Bragg or is on oh, the coast, nice. so it's not as easy to get to. Yeah. Yeah, Blake, it's all, um, it's completely on my website. I put it on historymural.com. And so okay. if you go to historymural, I'll, you know, the two words put together, dot com, um, you'll find it in the menu, but also I can just tell people it's at www.historymural.com slash fin, F-I-N-N, slash. And that's the like the homepage of the new mural, and then there are about five or six subpages. Yeah, they can see the whole thing. The whole thing. Great. So why Finland? Why did you, what, what was the inspiration for this mural? So it was cool because I think I'm not alone in either people forgetting or, in my case, not ever knowing what a huge impact the Finnish immigrants had on Fort Bragg and how many there were. There were, according to my research, they were the biggest national group of immigrants to that area. And you know how down here, I think it would probably be the Italians as far as the biggest single group from a nation or uh, or Italian Americans. But up there, it was the Finns. There were a lot of Portuguese too, but the Finns were the most numerous. And um, this happened late 1800s, early 1900s. And you know, I mean, people totally integrated. Their names are everywhere up in Fort Bragg now, but one doesn't think about it, and relative newcomers like me didn't know. And so I was just researching Fort Bragg. You know, I wanted to do history because that's, that's the most fun, and, and it's really wonderful to keep history alive through imagery that engages people. And, and I got a, the green light from the city and from Alan Limbird, the dentist whose building that mm-hmm. is, to, you know, pick your subject and definitely didn't want to do some of the subjects that have been, you know, repeated over and over and also aren't totally inspiring like logging. I mean, logging was important. It's a big deal. But I find the redwoods incredibly inspiring. But, you know, I mean, so maybe I could paint the redwoods. I thought about that. They're hard to paint, though, because they're so giant. I always end up painting just the massive trunks. But... So I'm doing research on the history, and I read about a consumer co-op that was started in 1923 by the Finnish immigrants, and it was just that one sentence that led me into this subject, and then I um, found out what a big deal this was, how many they were, and what rich cultural, um, I would call it heritage or gifts, you know, what amazing attributes they brought to the community. So it was perfect, perfect subject matter. So can you talk about some of the things? Because I think a lot of us, I mean, I didn't realize that there was a, a Finnish connection to Fort Bragg. And um, I know, yeah. right? Yes. Um, so they came, a lot of them came, um, so we're talking about the later 1800s and then the early 1900s. There was a lot of upheaval, you know, in Finland um, the they were fleeing the uh, Russia in the early 1800s. Russia had uh, taken the place of Sweden in dominating and sort of claiming Finland. And Russia, Czarist Russia, was starting to some I forgot which wars they were in, but they were drafting people. Sound familiar? And um, they were drafting people from Finland, and a lot of these people didn't you know, didn't identify with Russia, didn't identify with these wars, and did not want to go fight them. So many of them fled for that reason. And then also, of course, there were, you know, like economic opportunities here. They had a lot of experience with fishing and logging. And so they came here for that. And then in the early 1900s, you get Finland. So it's dominated by Russia. Russia undergoes the... Um, the revolution, the communist revolution, and they recognize Finland as an independent nation, which is awesome. But then, um, and I, I should have read up on this a little bit more, but basically there was, subsequent to that, then there was pressure, more and more pressure from Russia, and people fled that too. And so you get a lot of people from Finland that have, you know they're looking for economic opportunity, but they have certain characteristics that are, that are common, if not to all, to many. 
they're very self-sufficient, and not just for themselves. They, they, it seemed like they didn't want to just live out in the woods, you know, and do, make my little homestead and just get everything I need for me, and that's it. They were t- really community-oriented. So they wanted to create self-sufficiency, but they wanted it for the town. They wanted Fort Bragg to be self-sufficient. And so there's, you know, a lot that can be said about that, but that's why they started the co-op. Because prior to that, people would mostly shop at the lumber company, the company store, you know, and people, sometimes workers even got paid in credits at the store, which would keep you shopping at the store. And um, the so you were sort of tied to that one store and you didn't have other choices and maybe it was too expensive in some ways. And so they wanted to create competition and create a store that gave you the best prices so it wasn't for profit and therefore they wanted to do a co-op. And they thought of it early. There was this huge co-op movement in the United States in like the early 1900s And they thought of it then, but they realized they couldn't get their goods to Fort Bragg other than by the um, lumber companies and railway uh, railroads, right? Like they were tied. There was this one method of transporting goods, and it was going to be expensive. And those um, the railway and the timber company weren't going to be give them good prices because they were competition, and they didn't want that. And so they had to wait until. Um, trucking, I guess, you know, like highways and trucking got reasonable enough that they could transport things that way. So by 1923, they could start this, and they did their own transport. And so they took, um, and I know I'm going way off into the co-op, but this sort of ties in with the It's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they found at this time they could do their own transport, so they would bring goods in cheaper as you know, as reasonably priced as they could. And then they would take people's goods out. Like there were a lot of people who um, had chickens and could raise, you know, provide eggs for market. And they would take them down to a bigger market. Like you could sell them in Fort Bragg, but a lot of people had chickens. So the market was sort of saturated up here. And so they took their chickens down to Petaluma to the bigger market. So you could sell and you could buy at um, good rates. And this was really, you know, totally in line with what the Finns wanted to do. They wanted to help each other and help the community and be self-sufficient and, like, make it so everybody could make a living. Um, And they were – the last thing I'll say on that one attribute of theirs is they were often – whether they were closely linked to socialists and and even communism or not, they were very oriented towards – Respect for work. You know, it's not just the boss who deserves respect. All the workers deserve respect. And um, it was, like, it's a really cool, awesome story. I just want to take a quick moment, remind you you're listening to Be More Now, right here on KZUX. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm in conversation with muralist who lives in Point Arena, Lauren Sennett. We're talking about her recently completed Fort Bragg mural from Finland to Fort Bragg. Wow, that's interesting. It's funny. There's a town up in British Columbia on across the Queen's Charlotte Strait on a little island. It's a town called Soyantula, and it's in yes, um, yeah. And they're also a little Finnish. They were a Finnish utopia that a friend of mine was raised there, and his parents, his grandparents, were part of the, you know, his family had been part of the founding of it. And yes. they were, yeah, they were, you know, the saunas and the fisher people and a lot of it, poets. I used to go and I spent a couple of, you know, six weeks at a time up there during the winter. And, you know, you go, they, you go from the sauna to the ocean and they call it the salt chuff. The saunas that were, you know, 13, 14 people in a sauna. And it was what you did every day. It's just part of life. And it's how you stay warm and everything else. So. I feel like I got a little touch of that in that town. Absolutely. Blake, when did you do that? When were you going up there? Early 2000s, you know, late. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's totally the same spirit. And and we'll probably get into this, but there was a Sointula here, too, I mean, outside of Fort Bragg. Oh, really? Yes, it means place of harmony. Yeah. 
they there were people and what you said is exactly right they were trying to create um the word utopia is sort of strong but they wanted to create ideal places that were mm-hmm. great right like what you just described is wonderful oh it was and, an amazing place i had such an incredible experience there and i was so I wonder- welcomed by everybody and by by no means by it was a, still a small, it was on Malcolm Island, and it was still a, a relatively small community, but it was not all finished by that point. And right. there was a strong interaction with the Native peoples. So, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of, it, it, it aligns with maybe what some people say about the Russian traders, that when they came into the areas, you know, they weren't burn and, and run kind of people. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was, there was a little bit more cooperation with the Native cultures. So it allowed for, and I'm not sure what the case is in Fort Bragg, you know, where that lies on the stealing of land um, barometer. But I do think that I know for sure up there, there was, in, there was a lot of cooperation and the town was pretty integrated on that level. Yes, it's so inspiring. It's, it's really cool to hear about that, um, even like in the 80s, um, being that way and persisting, you know, and... and yeah, this is the 2000s, so this was in, like, 2000. Oh, yeah, yeah 2000, yeah. right. Yeah, Well, I yeah. can briefly tell you about the one outside of Fort Bragg, somewhat different, but it's exactly that same impulse to create, like, a beautiful, harmonious, uh, cooperative, uh, beneficial place to be. The Sointula in um, outside of Fort Bragg, it's, like, seven to eight miles southeast, and okay. it was... There were four families. You know, people wanted to own land, but you couldn't. Um, many people were worked in the logging industry or were fishermen, and you didn't have that much money. And so four families decided to go in together to, to buy land out there, and it was 600-plus acres logged over, really steep. You know, they said there was just enough flat land to put your hat down, or the other saying was it was all either uphill or downhill. Anyway, it was <coughs> logged over, and together they bought it, and the four families moved out, and they you know, they had quite a few kids each. I think at 10 years later there are maybe 24 kids out there, and they at the beginning made the mortgage by, you know, they, well, to backtrack just a tiny bit, you can farm, you can have gardens, you can have flocks, you can do your thing for yourself, but it's fairly hard to make a living that way. Even then, uh, partly because this is such steep land, it's so full of um, redwood redwood roots. And so at the beginning, they paid their mortgage making railroad ties out of the stumps. Because the stumps, this is old growth redwood, the stumps are giant, you know, so you could get 10-foot lengths out of them, and they hand-hewed railroad ties. And so that, Sointula is in the mural. It's on the right. If your um, listeners will look at the website, they'll see the subhead called Families. And um, the four families that settled there were the Jacobsons, the Mankinens, the Ericsons, and, oh, my God, the Andersons, I'm so, it's so terrible, <laughs> fourth name. But four families, you know, they're still still around, many of them, and um, not the original founders, of course. But I had this awesome photo of the founding families 10 years after the founding, and they founded it in 1904, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And so 10 years later, they took this cool picture of all the people in there, Kids and I painted that whole um, group into the mural, and it was cool because there are descendants now. Like one is Sylvia Bartley, who's involved with the historical society up there. Her dad is one of the kids in there, and she she uh, spent a lot of her childhood up there and has incredibly fond memories of it. Um, and another cool thing about the portraits is, unbeknownst to me, you know, like a two of the kids and other kids in the portrait got married. Um, there are all these little links that you find later. And just to finish up that description, they had, of course, they had a sauna. And they said that would often be the first thing that you built because you need to bathe. You could live in it while you're building all the rest of the stuff. And and it was social. 
the the sauna was it's a way to make bathing into a party is what I okay. ended up realizing. Yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right? right. You're doing it with people and so there's that aspect of communication and community in a really yeah. honest setting, I think, when you have all yeah. your clothes off somehow. Well, yeah, and the thing about it, too, is it's it's authentic and that it doesn't matter that you're naked. You know, no one really, no one cares, so there's not, the self-consciousness is not, you know, embedded in this action. And that, for me, it was really, I I also was in Japan. I moved to Japan in the late 80s and experienced communal bathing in Japan because I lived in a place that I didn't have my own shower, so I had to go to the Asinto down the street. and. I was in a, you know, a neighborhood, a suburban neighborhood of Tokyo, and I experienced these, you know, I walked in and nobody looked like me and no one spoke what I spoke, and I had some ladies take me around and show me how to do it. And it was it was so, at first I didn't like it. I'm like, go, just get away. I'm trying to, I know how to shower. Don't, like, leave me alone. And then <laughs> I kind of leaned in. And then at the very end, one of them came. This is my very first experience. And one of them came and just doused me with cold water. And it was, you know, March in Tokyo, so it was cold outside. <laughs> and I came out of my skin. And, and they, you know, I was so mad. They just laughed at me. They just <laughs> laughed. And they, you know, managed to convey that by sealing it, you know, your pores with the cold water, you'll be warm longer. And it was true. I stopped oh being God. cold after that experience. So I literally learned how to keep my, I learned about cold showers, the Wim Hof method that everyone talks about now in Tokyo <laughs> in the 80s because I had to communally bathe, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. It's so, it is such an awesome experience. And and then they would have a little, uh, they always had refreshments after, you know, like often coffee, and it had to be hot, which I love, and some like braided bread, which is called pula, and um, or they might have beer and sausages and various things, but it was just a gathering, right? And you know, it, it's so awesome that it may it, right. it was a way to bathe using the resources they had and their traditions, uh-huh. and, and it builds community. So, yeah. So Sointula was they of course had a little sauna. Sauna. I know how to say it. Sauna. I didn't say it. Sauna. Did, did they? Did that? Is that? Is Soyantula? Is it gone? What? What happened to that? So area? it is. It is sort of sad. I mean, it's it's sort of like when people say they had a failed marriage. It wasn't, you know, not necessarily <laughs> failed. It was great for the period of time that it was there, and so it was great for the period of time it was there, which was about fifty years, and then at that point. So you're talking 50 years later, those founders would be old, probably some passed away at that point, and quite old. I've seen pictures of, you know, like Sylvia's dad, um, Oscar, and as a much older man there. But the younger generation often, you know, would almost all, I believe, would go into town to get jobs, perhaps move away, you know, join the modern economy and then by the time you get to the grandparents, I mean, the grandkids level, you know, they're mostly not going to be living out there. So it was that kind of attrition. And then they decided at a point to um, sell it. And the sad thing that Sylvia told me this, she's written about it too in one of the Historical Society publications. It was bought by another logging company. And they just, you know, decimated it. They tore down the houses, the sauna, and it started cutting more because now you had greater, you know, before the the big trees were cut, hand sawn, I believe, mm-hmm. like in around 1900. And now you had um, chainsaws and all of this technology that they could go further and cut more. And she said when she went out there, it was just sort of devastating. But it still can't take away the history of what happened there and the you know what it uh, the way it formed the people that lived there and their community and they here's something really cool to add to Sointila it was out let me hopefully I'll get the river right it's out on one of the forks of the Noyo River right and their communities all not towns but like 
um, groups of farms out there. And they the Finns built a lot. Like if they needed a hall, they built it. If they needed a right. school, they right. built it. So they built a school out there because you're talking seven miles, and this is in the day of, of buggies, and also during the winter sometimes the river couldn't be crossed, and you were not going to come into Fort Bragg to go to school. So they built the school, and it was on, as far as Sointila goes, it was on the other side of the Noyo and or Cass Creek, perhaps, I think, feeding into the Noyo. And so um, they built a suspension bridge that was hooked to giant redwood stumps on either side. And so the kids would walk across the suspension bridge to go to school. And they built a hall over there so those people get together on Saturdays and, you know, have a sauna and get together and right. you know, have some goodies and have music. That was the other thing they did so much of, music, because... You know what better way to have fun and dance? Right, right. Gather yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing can take that history away, even though Sointil is not there. But a lot of people do still live in the area. Like Sylvia and her husband um, live in another um, area close to Fort Bragg, not too far from there. Out uh-huh. on twenty. Yeah. So so they so they there's like a little piece of it but 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 it's no longer what year did they finally have to give it up? It was I think nineteen fifty six. Fifty six. It was in the fifties, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and, and that's been written up too. I can send you some of these references after if like you um post on the website, the radio station website, we can guide your listeners to some of these yeah, that's yeah. I'm seeing this and looking at your website. You talk about, you know, that they created a Finnish arm of the American Socialist Party, and they had concerts and balls and yes. voting events and all sorts of things. It's very interesting. And would you say that some of the family um, are? You, know, you said there's real people in the mural. Are some of the families in the mural still here? Yes, so their descendants are here, uh-huh. and um, and actually some of the people in the mural are still here, and that could, like Sylvia, who I mentioned, you know, her, um, on the right side of the mural there, I painted that whole group of the Sonchilla founders and their many kids, and um, I met a woman came up while I was working and said, that's my great-grandpa, so the Jacobson um, father uh, in the mural, it was her great grandpa, and we found where her dad is in there. So then I met her. Um, Sylvia not only is her her father and mother in there with their kid, her dad Oscar, but I put her in. And this thing that I love to do by um, compressing time or putting people from different times together, I put her next to Eddie Mankinen, who is another one of the kids, um, as a little little girl. You know, like just bigger than a toddler, and he's a little boy. And they used to play out there and hold hands, and um, he told her he would be her husband or marry her one day, and, you know, all that classic stuff. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. Eddie and Sylvia are in there as kids. And then um, one of the other people that I met who worked with me a lot and was an off- awesome source of information and just great uh discuss conversation about the um the Finnish heritage and his own life because he's one of their descendants descendants is David Mackey and he's part of the historical society as well and that's spelled M A K I it's the Finnish um name Mackey his grandma is in there and he had this awesome picture of her having fished for gone fishing and she's with a big fish at her feet, and I painted her um, with this salmon, having gone salmon fishing. And then, so these are all descendants, but in the case of the sauna, I was working on it, and somebody stopped by and introduced himself and um, said his name was Lauri Riesenen. Hopefully I pronounced the last name right, Lauri, if you hear this. Um, and he's a Finnish descendant, direct descendant, but from another area. I believe his family was from Canada. But he's Finnish and lives here now, and he makes saunas, saunas. And he gave me all the advice that I needed about how to depict this sauna that's right in the middle of the mural. And he told me about 
the process, you know, you go in, you take off your clothes in the antechamber, and then you go into the second part. If it's a big enough sauna, I have two parts, and you get the water buckets and the like, um, the br- little branches that you uh, slap yourself with, not in a bad way, you know, like to stimulate. Yeah, yeah, you you beat yourself with the eucalyptus branches. I've been there's a, there's a Russian spa in the Bayview in San Francisco that I've been to. And yeah, they do that. They pass out big eucalyptus branches. So yeah, yeah, and so and then you would go into the inner part and you know have your sauna. And he told me there usually would be if you could have a window, there would be a window because you'd like to look out on the scenery. So I put a window and put two women in there enjoying the steam from the sauna. And then he said after you come out, you know you're all you're really hot. You do that plunge in the creek or in the ocean like you were talking about if if possible, and then you sit and have your hot coffee, and he told me how you sit. You just sit right in front with your legs crossed, relaxing, you know, in this state of bliss, and so I had him model. So he is in there. He is directly uh, portrayed, and then his um, wife made some pula, and he brought that, and then they both came and visited the mural and saw the portrait and liked it, and and the other portrait that I'll just mention really quick because – she, I met this lady's descendant, his grandma Katie, um, and her descendant is one of the local people, um, Vovo Kane, and she shared pictures with me. So she had all these great pictures of her grandma and told me about her, and she was, you know, so strong-willed, and even though she had bad arthritis, she would walk everywhere and go visit people and um, had that quality that all the Finns mentioned to me, which is called Sisu. It's S I S U, and you and put that in the mural, right? That's written. Yes, uh-huh. yes, it's written in there, and it means a kind of determination, but a calm, non-dramatic determination to get whatever you're trying to do done and to persevere even in the face of adversity. And so I put Vovo Kane's grandma Katie in the mural. She's the one serving coffee. Okay, outside of the sauna. But yeah, we should. Um, I can wait for you to ask about it. But Sisu is a, a big deal. And yeah, go ahead to, and ask about it. Go ahead and tell me. I think that you know the next question. <laughs> yeah, they. Let's see. Let me get back to where I was. I want to um, read you this. Let's see. Where did I write about it? Um, so the, what I wrote in the mural. It has a written sentence at the bottom. I. Um, painted the title at the top, and there's other inscription in there, which I like to do because it helps you know what you're looking at. And the inscription that I wrote is, Finnish immigrants valued cooperation, and then there's a footnote, footnote one. So they valued cooperation, social justice, and personal determination. That's footnote two. They worked together for the common good and to build a self-sufficient town. Many supported unions and workers' rights and they brought the cleansing sauna, which makes bathing a social occasion. And then I got to use the footnotes to put in the two words, Sisu is that trait of determination in the face of adversity, but without making a really big deal about it. You know, you're sort of quietly. Right. It's there. You have to look it up. It you have to know what it is. Yeah. And the yeah. other word, which is one, um, is called talkut. T-A-L-K-O-O-T, meaning uh, work that's done for the common good. And so I put those two footnotes in there so people could read those words. Once again, I'd like to remind you that you are listening to Be More Now. I'm Blake Moore, and I'm having a nice conversation with local muralist, painter, all-around creative artist, Lauren Sennett. It's amazing. Well, I'm looking at the mural right now just to kind of get that feeling. And so the school children, is, is that a school? Is that a bunch of kids there? Is that what that one's Oh, part of you know is? what that is on the left? Uh-huh. Okay, so we will look at that. So that's actually on the right. It looks like there's on the right, there's a group of, of kids and okay. yeah, adults on the right. in the back and young people in the front. And then yeah, on the left, the... it looks like a bunch of people outside the hall, maybe marching yeah. or something. So on the right is the whole group of the founders of Sointilla. Okay, and that's that group. Okay. Yeah, yeah the landscape of, of, of the community. Yeah. It's yeah, very small, and it's, uh-huh. 
And if I'll mention one other thing right above it, because this is cool and since you're looking at it. Um, in the upper right corner and upper left corner, I painted this symbol, which I had not been aware of before, although after I tell you this story, you guys, well, most of you will have seen it somewhere. So it's a looped square, and I painted a nice fancy version of it in the two corners. And in um, pre-Christian uh, Finland, it was and continued to be um, a sign of warding off evil and good fortune. And people would put it on household objects. Like I think the oldest known that I read about was a thousand-year-old set of skis, and it's um, you know like painted on them. And the, so the loop square is in there, representing this Finnish connection. And then I found out doing this research that Apple adopted the not necessarily from the Finnish symbol because it's it's sort of a a well-known wide-ranging symbol, but they adopted the looped square for the command key in 1986. So if you look at your computer, you'll see the looped square. And, oh, yeah. And that's anyway, okay. oh, interesting. That's, I, that's interesting. That's, that's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so if you look then at the – so that Sointila is on the right, and on the left, that big hall, this is um, a really important hall. It's Kalevala Hall, which is now the Lions Club, and it looks – the hall where the lions meet, it's still there. It looks really different, though. And that one was beautiful. It has, you know, this this area where you can stand a little mini roof above it on the top. And anyway, it was built in 1895 by the Finnish Temperance Society. It's at 430 Redwood Avenue. But again, if you look at the mural and go looking for it, you'll never find it because it got changed so much. But <laughs> the Temperance Society... You know, at this time, that was big in our country. And this branch in Fort Bragg built this hall, and they did things there. Like, they didn't just say, you should not drink. They wanted to provide something. And they they were uh, trying to provide for an alternative for all these um, timber workers, especially, or, or, you know, people who had all these physical jobs and didn't necessarily have a home life or were married. And so the only thing to do after your hard day's work was go to a saloon and you tended to get drunk and then you'd wake up hungover and then you'd just go back to work. And so they wanted to provide something more and they would do concerts and plays and they had, um, you know, like a library and a reading room and, and held events. And they also had a boarding house where you could live if you wanted to be, you know, have a more moderate lifestyle. But it... Then, you know, then our country adopted um, prohibition, and so I think they sort of, I mean, I'm reading into this, but they may have thought their work was somewhat finished. But um, before I leave that topic, if what I painted was the Temperance Society, and that's that giant group of people. They're small, but there's like 50 people in that group with a little yeah. toddler in front. That's the Temperance Society members. And then the hall became Kalevala Hall, which um, was dedicated to preserving Finnish heritage in America and did, you know, all of these great things for their members and to help out the community. And um, so that's that's what that one is. And then if you look at next to it, another important thing, and this was, was a classic example of how um, a mural like this about history can get better as you meet people. So... You know, I thought, I already have four, what is it, four big buildings in this. There's a lot of architecture. This is just a several-month project. You know, I can't just go on and on. So I was sort of thinking, okay, we're going to have these two groups, these buildings, the sauna, the inscriptions, etc. But I met um, one of the member Finnish descendants, Paul Nyland, and he is a member of the Lutheran Church. And he said, he told me, I think he said at some point, you've got to put that in there. And so I um, managed to add it pretty small, but it's way over to the left on the other side of the doorway. But it's appropriate because it's right underneath the uh, depiction of the snowy finish, you know, the snowy landscape, the snow forest in mm-hmm. Finland, which is painted on the upper left. And the reason it's appropriate there. I think, not just that heritage, you know, and continuity, but there's a saying in Finland that the forest is the church. 
and that feeling, you know, that sense of the spirit of the land and, and everything you could take from that. And so I was happy to put the actual Lutheran church that they built right under it and next to it, you know, preserving that connection. So I got to add it. I got to surprise Paul. I told him, you have to come see something. And he come, I filmed the whole thing. It's on the website. And he came, he comes up, and, and he loved it, but he didn't act very surprised. And I said, Paul, what the heck? And he said, I guessed. When you told me you had something to show me, I guessed what it was. But he was really happy. <laughs> Yeah, and so there's yet another building in there. We're getting close to running out of time, believe it or yeah. not, but uh, have you done an unveiling? Has there been a celebration there? What yeah. is going to happen to present it to the community? Good, good question, Blake, because we didn't. You know, I finished on Halloween. It was getting cold, and then the winter. We wanted to wait until warmer weather and and try to, you know, yeah. not be so rushed. Get the word out. Get as many of these family descendants as possible to come because people – Love it, especially the descendants, you know, just that recognition of this major thing that happened, which is so integrated into the community that you don't see it anymore. Right. So, yes, so thank you for asking. And and I would, as soon as we figure out when, I'll let you know, and hopefully we could help publicize that. And um, I invite people to look at the website uh, even send me an email if they want to like be more connected. I'm trying to figure out ways I can do this better. But I want to get the word out when that happens. In the later spring? I would In the later spring. Yeah, that makes sense. So we'll, yeah, we'll look for that. You let me know, and I'll be happy to announce it on the show also. Yeah. So we have some warning so people know. So that would yes. be great. Can you yes. mention the website one more time so yeah, absolutely. can go and look at this? Yes, it's easy to remember. I'm so lucky I got this this uh, <laughs> URL. I just got this like two years ago, historymural.com. Yeah, I'm amazed it wasn't taken. So historymural.com, and that's where you see the, my giant um, Ukiah history piece, but the menu will guide you to the finished mural. And if you want me to say it, it's historymural.com slash fin, F-I-N-N, And that'll take you to all the finished stuff. Okay, great. So where is the location of the mural? One more time, it's on Franklin, the 300 block between what and what? Yes, it's North Franklin, which is the street that's parallel to Highway 1, which is in Fort Bragg's Main Street. So one street east parallel is Franklin, the 300 block of North Franklin, right in the middle of the block. If you see Racine's Art Supply Store, look across the street, and you'll be looking down the little alleyway where the mural is. All right. Well, I'm going to go make a trip. Um, my next yay. trip to Fort Bragg, I'm going to go look for that mural. I look. I really look forward to seeing it. I just love the work that you've done in Ukiah, and I can't wait to see. what. Do you have another one planned? Is there a new one already in yes. the works? Yes. Actually, there's a family um, in, in Fort Bragg. Uh, I was contacted by um, a woman, and I guess I, maybe, well, Julie Shafsky, and she wants to uh, have a mural painted on one of the buildings either that her family used to own or still owns um, downtown. They were major uh, family in Fort Bragg that came from Moldova originally, and um, she loved my work, and I'm going to work with her to do a mural that depicts something of their family history, and so it's for it's a more of a private commission, but it's going to be public. It's you know also about the heritage of Fort Bragg, and the other one in Fort Bragg that I want to do is in that the mural I just told you about has a doorway in it, and it has nothing on it, and I can paint it. And what I want <laughs> to paint on there is I've gotten permission. Is it's smooth. The rest of the wall is all rough. The nice smooth doorway would be the perfect place to paint a double portrait of these two brothers who were um, the Nelson brothers who were raised, you know, direct descent. Their parents were immigrants from Finland, and the names get changed a lot, you know. Anyway, they they changed theirs to Nelson. And they were very um, socialist-oriented, oriented towards workers' rights and and all of that politically, and they took two very different paths. One brother stayed in the area, became a reporter, and 
you know, like did wallpapering for to earn money, but was a reporter and um, a historian. And the other brother went to Russia to be part of the communist revolution and went to that part of Finland that is, or part of Russia that's right next to Finland that's basically like part of Finland. And he wanted to be part of that. And years later, the family lost, he stopped writing, you know, and they didn't know what happened to him. Years later, they found out he'd been murdered by Stalin. And so it's just this story of two brothers, two of, you know, a whole family's devotion to egalitarianism, but how it led into two very different directions. So I'd love to paint their portraits on that wall, on that door. Very cool. Well, thank you, Lauren. I really appreciate you giving us this time today, and I look forward to the next installment. (laughs) Thank you so much, Blake. Thank you for helping me get the word out. Oh, well, thank you for all the beauty and work you do in behalf of the arts in our in our county. You really are a treasure. So thank you, Lawrence, and it, it's wonderful to talk with you. Thank you, Blake. And there you have it, Lawrence Sinnott on Be More Now. That was a great conversation. And be sure and go check out the From Finland to Fort Bragg mural that Lauren just completed there on Franklin Street in downtown Fort Bragg. And you can check out my website, bemoreyou.net, and go to the musing section, and there will be a link to the show. And you can also find this show on Spotify and, of course, on the KZYX Jukebox. And I'm really glad you guys tuned in tonight. Be More Now is always on the first Thursday of the month. And I guess that's about it for the evening. I thank you all so much for tuning in, and have a beautiful, beautiful evening. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.